You may be seated. I want to take you to John chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. It's always good to invite Jesus to the marriage. And you say amen? And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim, and he said unto them, Draw out now, and bear it to the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, they then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. Can you say amen to the word? According to Nike company lore, one of the famous and easily recognized slogans of advertising history was coined in 1988 in a meeting of Nike's ad agency, Whedon and Kennedy, and a group of Nike employees. Dan Whedon spoke admirably of Nike's can-do attitude. Reportedly, it is said that he said, you Nike guys, you just do it. The rest, as they say, is advertising history. After stumbling badly against the arch-rival Reebok in the 1980s, Nike rose about as high and fast as the 90s in the 90s as a company can. It took a new religion of brand consciousness and broke, rap, broke advertising sound barriers with its indelible swoosh, just do it slogan, and deified sports figures. Nike managed the deafness of marketing tricks to be both anti-establishment and mass market to the tune of $9.2 billion in sales in 1997. Just do it. That's according to Jolie Sola, Solomon in the article, When Nike Goes Gold. In our text today, 
Mary gives Jesus a nudge into his miracle ministry. In reading the text, it's just a little bit difficult for us to imagine that encounter. It's just a little rough for me when he says, Woman, what I have to do with you, it's not time. And then I I think about the message I preach Mother's Day. Mothers just don't take no for an answer. And, And she just never even responded to him. She simply turned her attention to the servants. And she said, whatsoever he says to you, do it. Nike didn't make famous the phrase, do it. Mary did. (laughs) It was Mary that made famous that attitude, that statement, that obedience cliche, that, that feeling or that message, whatsoever he says to you, do it. At this point in the story, Nobody there really knew much about Jesus. They knew he was Joseph, the carpenter's son. They knew he was Mary's boy. Some considered him illegitimate. Some said, we know Joseph, but we know your mother was expecting before they got married. And all of the servants, they probably were the most ignorant of the bunch. But what they had as an advantage was their, the very fact that they were servants. They knew how to follow orders. They knew how to obey. I remember when I was drafted into the army, we went to what is called basic training. Well, actually, they didn't wait till we got the basic training. As soon as they had us enlisted, it started. <laughs> I mean, I was a normal citizen, and they drafted me. And suddenly, I was treated like an absolute idiot. <laughs> they didn't care what I thought. I mean, they told me everything to do. And they pressed me. When they said drop, that means drop and do push-ups. When they said stand up, they said come to attention. That means come to attention. You don't move until you got another order. And all that process. Finally, the drill sergeant says, we're trying to save your life. (laughs) We're just trying to get you in shape where you will follow orders And one day it'll save your life, and it probably will save the life of your buddies in the battlefield. I learned you had to obey orders. Of course, I'd been obeying orders a long time if you knew my dad. You you followed his orders, or if you've got the consequences, and you wished you had followed his orders. 
Obedience is a wonderful thing. It brings such wonderful rewards. But let me just back up in the story. The servants didn't know. The host didn't know. The wedding party didn't know who Jesus was. The servants didn't know, but Mary knew. Mary remembered when the angel came and addressed her and told her, you have been selected. You're highly favored. You're going to have a son. And you questioned, Mary, how shall this be? Mary remembered when the angel said, the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. Mary, no doubt, remembered the day that happened. I just got a feeling that from that day forward, there was, there was a feeling on the inside of Mary that was never quite the same. I talked, preached and re-preached a message just a couple of weeks ago in Oakdale about what was it like to wear Jesus' clothes. The feeling, you know, we, we have a prayer cloth here. And we believe in the, the impact of this prayer cloth that you could take to that to somebody that has a need. We've anointed it. we prayed on it. They can put it on their body. They can put it in their wallet. It's going to make a difference in their situation. And I thought, if, if that is that effective, then what must have been like when those soldiers that gamble for Jesus' clothes, when they won those clothes and they put them on, It could have been that while they were holding them there that day, that that soldier looked up and said, Surely this was the Son of God. If the impact of that was that significant, and we believe that the prayer cloth is that significant, and Sister Patty, if we believe that the prayer quilt is that significant, then how must Mary have felt when she was pregnant? With Jesus. Mary knew. Mary knew when she spoke that day. And she said, it's time for you to do it. She knew. She knew who he was. She knew he was Emmanuel. She knew that he was God manifest in the flesh. And it had been 30 years and nothing had happened. There was no miracles. He just grew up. He ate meals at her house. He was always around. He was there. Oh, she remembered at 12 years old when she lost him and she got to looking for him. She found him teaching in the synagogue. She remembered that. She knew who he was. And she was ready for him to step out of obscurity into the calling, and purpose for which he came. Reluctancy, hesitancy, aversion, foot dragging, doubtfulness, unwillingness, uncertainty, none of these were in Mary's vocabulary. When it came to the man she had birthed, he came from miraculous means, and she knew that he was meant for miraculous purposes. 
She knew that there was something that had to be done here. It was time for him to just do it. And so that's what she told the servants. Whatever he tells you, do it. Don't hesitate. Don't think about it. Don't analyze. Don't get counsel on it. Just do it. You see, Mary had an advantage over everyone else there. She knew who Jesus really was. She knew him like no one else could have known him. No, it was, she was not just another wedding guest. And whoever had sent Jesus the invitation had to get the star prize of the day. What they did not know was who was in their midst and what could be accomplished. He looked like just any other man. He appeared to be just like any other guest. There was not an angelic choir that surrounded him when he walked into the room that day. He was just flesh and blood like everyone else. They said he was just, just Joseph's son. You see, we just never assume. We should just never assume when we come into a servant that service that it's it's just going to be a service. We should never just assume that we're going to have church. I mean, if your definition of church is sing a few songs, hear a sermon, go home. If your definition of church is that, then we shouldn't just assume that because the moment that we began to sing and praise him, guess who shows up? He said, I, I dwell in the midst of praise. I, I inhabit the praise of my people. And we're not talking about the president of the United States. We're not talking about a senator. We're not talking about some celebrity out there in the world. We're talking about the God of glory who said, if you will, I will. He said, if you'll do it, I'll do it. He said, you do your part, I'm going to do my part. We're going to lift up the praise to the Lord, and the Lord's going to come in. Mary simply lifted him up that day by saying, they're out of wine. She exalted him at that moment because she lifted him above the status quo. You can do something about their problem. She magnified him above everybody else in the room at that moment. And so in some sense of the word, she praised him. She recognized him. She exalted him above the problem. She said, you can take care of this. And she turned to the servants and said, now it's your turn. And I turned to all of us and I say, now it's your turn. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. You ever been there? I think of Brother Ken's prayer request today. And I think of what he told us this morning. He said that Malcolm had been moved upon by God. How many weeks now? Three months? Four months. The Holy Ghost had moved on him and said, pray, consecrate, draw close. He didn't know what was in store. But God said, 
It's time for you to do it. It's time for you to make a move. It's time for you to get closer to me. You don't know what kind of storm you're about to face in your life. You don't know what's coming. You don't know how much you're going to need to pray a prayer in a moment and need me to show up immediately in your life. So I'm telling you in advance, pray. When God moves on us, it's time to do it. When we get that nudge that says it's time to pray now, you know what you best do? You better drop everything else and you better have a prayer meeting with God. I think about Daddy, and I, I referenced the other day when we were teaching on fasting and prayer here at church in the Wednesday night Bible study. And I remember the day I had taught something about fasting, and he didn't necessarily agree with me. And he told me, he said, Son, all I can tell you, God told me to fast for this lady. He woke me up, or he had a dream about her that she was going to die. And he told me to go on a seven-day fast. And he said, If I wouldn't have done it, she'd be dead. You see, when God says, do it, you do it. You say, well, why? Why in Cana? What, 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 was, what was the beginning of Jesus' miracle ministry? Why was it started in Cana? Well, tell me, why was he born in Bethlehem? Why did they choose a manger, a stable, for the king of glory to be born in? Why did he call shepherds and not the rulers to come that very, to be the first visitors to go and proclaim that the Savior was born? You know, maybe it was because he wanted us to know that it's those ordinary places in life that he shows up. It's places like Indian Village. It's places like your house. It's places like on your job. It's places like you are in your circumstance, in your situation, where the miracle shows up. You say, well, I, I, I don't know if God would do some big thing where I am. Yes, the God of glory will show up. If you will obey what he has to say, then he will get involved in your life. It's time for you to just do what Mary said, and that is whatever the Holy Ghost speaks in your heart and your life to do. You say, well, how, how do I know what it is? Well, uh, number one, he speaks through his word. Number two, whatever he tells you that you're not reading in Scripture or you're not hearing a sermon about, it's going to agree with his word. That's how you know the Holy Ghost is speaking to you. Sometimes it will be out of the ordinary. Sometimes it will be a very common thing. It sometimes will seem ridiculous, but whatever it is, just do it. Tell your neighbor, said, just do it. Whatever God tells you. He told them, he said, fill the water pots with water. And so they filled them to the brim. And then he said, okay, now draw some out and take it to the governor of the feast. They were servants. They did whatever he told them to do. They obeyed. And they became the catalyst for the miracle. If the servants would have said, I'm on strike. I don't like the way he looked at me. 
I don't like the way you said that to me. I, I don't take orders from you. I got a master. If I hear from them, I'll do it. None of that happened. They just simply did what he said to do. We don't see that Jesus waved his hand over the water. We don't say that he see, hear, read that he stuck his hand in the water. We don't hear that he spoke any words over the water. It was their obedience in doing what he said that produced the miracle. I'm trying to help somebody tonight. I'm trying to get us to see that the value of immediate, immediate obedience to what God speaks into our life. Too often we fear and we disagree and we challenge and we sometimes even know better. And we doubt and we miss the miraculous. After all, you know, I've got an education. Or after all, look how many years I've been doing this. You know, new converts... They do things, and they get things from God that people that's been around for a while do not get. I think it boils down to this. They are in that level of, of eagerness to obey God and a lack of a care about who they are and their prestige in the body of Christ. They just want to obey God and receive whatever it is. Anybody been there? When you were young in the Lord, you were adventuresome. Somebody might have even called you radical. Some even outside maybe even called you crazy. But you know what happened? You got testimonies from those days in your life when you obeyed what you felt was the Holy Ghost and God did some marvelous things in your life. Can I get a witness in the house? The servant's willingness paved the way for the miracle. So in our homes, in our jobs, in our relationships, in our day-to-day lives, God Shows up. You know, it's in those places, those unlikely places, that we really need Him to show up. Many times we relegate everything to happening at church. Well, when I come to church, I'm going to get my healing. Or when I when I, when I get to church, uh, I'm going to get a word from the Lord. You know God can do that anywhere? You know God can do that anytime? You know He wants to do that anywhere, and He wants to do that anytime? Little boy called David. We call him little boy. Maybe compared to the rest of the warriors that were there, he might have been the youngest one to show up. He was somewhere in his teens, perhaps, and he shows up, and there is a battle set in array, but there's nobody fighting. And then he hears a giant come out, and then his brothers say, you better get afraid, and you better go back to the sheep. But he hears God say, kill him. 
He hears God say, go fight the giant. And so he puts a sling in his, a stone in his sling, and he goes out and he slays the giant. You see, he realized that it's just time to do it. Moses is standing there. He's been the deliverer for Israel. But all of a sudden, the Egyptian army is behind him. There's mountains on each side of him, and there's a sea in front of him. Well, Moses, it looks like your deliverance run has come to an end. But then he remembered what he heard from God when he said, What's in your hand, Moses? And uh, Moses said, A rod. And he said, Cast it down. It became a serpent. So as he stands there at the Red Sea, he's remembering what's in his hand. And God says, stretch it forth. And the sea parts. And the sea parts. And the sea backs up. And the sea just keeps on backing up. It just keeps on. How wide did it have to open? For three million people to cross in one night. I'm telling you, when you obey God and you do it, miraculous things happen. Moses, there's three million people. They're going to laugh at you when you stick that staff out there. But Moses did not care. He just simply obeyed. Joshua and Caleb came back from spying out the land. And they said, we are well able to take the land. Ten spies said, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. There's giants in the land. Caleb is standing there and said, we are well able. Let's just do it. Forty years later, Caleb is saying, I can still do it. And he did it. Sometimes you just got to do it. Tennyson said, theirs is not to make a reply. Theirs is not to reason why. Theirs is but to do and die. We just need simply to obey, not question, just move forward. Just let God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be beloved of my Father. I have these scriptures up there, Lord. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. So number one, we need to obey him. The servants obeyed and got a miracle. When we obey him, it's a signification that we love him. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. What did he say to us? There's a number of things he has said to us. Somebody said, I'm just going to do the stuff in red. You know, the sayings of Jesus are written in red in some Bibles. And some folks, I've met some folks and said, I only do the stuff written in red. Well, guess what? He's the author of the whole thing. 
The old book, the new book. The Old Testament, the New Testament. The Old Covenant, the New Covenant. There's one Bible. And the New Covenant is a commentary on the Old Covenant. The fellows that preached when the church was young and on earth, guess what Bible they used? Guess what Bible they preached salvation out of? The Old Testament. Guess what Bible they lived by? The Old Testament. So, if you're in the red group, if you're in the group that you only do the red, I want to read to you some scripture. The scripture said it came to pass that as the people pressed him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down. He taught the people out of the ship. When he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a draw. Then Simon answered, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night long, and we ain't caught nothing. That's Terry Bushnell. Said, we have not caught anything. Oh, but I like the next words. Nevertheless, at thy word, we will let down the net. Or I will let down the net. And so he lets down his net. He caught so many fish that the net break. He had to call for his partners, and they had to help him pull in the fish. And the scripture said, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I see two things here. Number one, in order to obey God, we must believe God. And we must do what he says. And then we must follow him. The apostle Peter, not the apostle at that moment in his life, he was unconverted. He had not even been called. But it was happening even as he was taking action. When he obeyed the Lord and let down his net, he caught a multitude of fish that convinced him that Jesus was not an ordinary man. And he forsook all and followed him. The scripture said there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I command thee, you must be born again. It was not a suggestion. 
You see, this is the stuff in red. If you're one of that group, that you only obey what is written in red. That'll work. So you must be born again, Jesus said. In order for that to happen, you've got to believe. In John 8 and 24, when he was questioned about him calling himself the I Am, this is what he had to say. Therefore I say unto you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. What he was saying, if you do not believe that I am God manifest in the flesh, then you will die in your sin. He said, without faith, it is impossible to please him. This is what's written in Hebrews. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we know that we have to obey his commands because in obedience it proves our love to him. And if we love him, we will obey him. It's a natural progression. And then he also, we also see that we must follow him. And then he says... We must believe him. And since we believe him, we also believe what he has to say. He said in Luke chapter 13 and verse number 5, I say unto you, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So Jesus is commanding repentance. If we're going to do whatsoever he says, then we must repent. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. The scripture is admonishing. Jesus is saying, you must be baptized. So he is telling us, these are the things that you need to do. Mary said, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. You want the power of God in your life. He's leading us there. He's telling us to follow him. He's telling us to believe him. He's telling us to repent. And then he says, be baptized. And then he says in Luke 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. When you look at that word, endued, it means to be clothed with the power of God. Remember what I said to you earlier about the effect of putting on the clothes of Jesus. Asking the question, what must it have been like for that soldier who who gambled for the garments of Jesus and won them and, and took them? What did it feel like? But then the scripture tells us, clothe yourself with Jesus. Another place it said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. There, when you look at that scripture where it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it translates also, clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. So we are told by the Lord to wear him, to put him on. So we find ourselves believing in him, following him, repenting, being baptized, in order that we might be clothed with the power of the Spirit. Matter of fact, he said in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the very uttermost part of the earth. He had told them to go and tarry for the Holy Ghost, 
tarry till you be endued with power. And then he says, when you get this power, it's going to give you the power. It's going to light a fire within you to be a witness to me wherever you are in the world. And so they wait. They wait in the upper room. We talked about that waiting this morning. The impatience of our generation that we can't wait on God for anything. We can't wait at a red light. We can't wait at Walmart. We can't wait at McDonald's. The line is too long or, or they're just too slow. It took, I've been here for five minutes already. And so the list goes on. We're, we're impatient. But the scripture said, wait, tarry until you be endued with power from on high. And then it happened. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now when they heard this, they heard people come stumbling out of the upper room. How do you know they stumbled? Because the Scripture says that they thought these people that had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost were drunk. And so they said, no, these are not drunk like you think they are. Now, they're, they're drunk, but they're drunk on the Spirit of God, that new wine from heaven. They are drunk on the Spirit of God. And he said, their hearts were pricked. And they said, what, what shall we do? There we are again, doing something. What must we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, just like Jesus said. Be baptized, just like Jesus said. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. It's no wonder that we, be, we are baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of our sin because it's the only saving name. It's the name that the angel told Mary that you're going to have a son. You're going to call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sin. And he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He didn't stop there. He said, the promise is to you and to you and to you and to you and to your children and their children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Got to do something. I say, I've spoken to you what Jesus said you should do. I say, let's heed the words of Mary. And whatsoever he said, do it. Do it. To the church. To the church. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I say, let's do it. I say, let's do it. I say, let's do it. Let's go into our community. Let's go into our jobs. Let's go into our world. And let's go and tell everybody about Jesus Christ. As we stand together, what is your heart saying this evening? 
Just do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this thing. Put aside the arguments. Put aside the questions. Get them out of your mind. Just do what he's saying to you to do. I'm convinced that I probably missed some of my greatest blessings by questioning when God said move. God said get out in the aisle. God said walk around the church, run around the church. God said go over and pray for so and so. And I hesitated and I questioned and I was maybe too prideful. I was worried about what they would think if they would reject me. I've missed so many things. But you know what? I'm tired of missing. I said, I'm tired of missing. I want to get it. I want everything that God has for me. He said, I don't know if I can do that. Mary knew what it was to be clothed with the Holy Ghost and it be birthed in her. She knew. Because when she went to Elizabeth's house and she just started talking to Elizabeth, the scripture said Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she said, my baby leaped in my womb. You see, there's power. Church, that power's in you. I said that power's in you. All that Mary felt when, when she carried him in her womb. You and I have that same thing when He baptized us with His Spirit. Come on, He filled us with Himself. The Holy Ghost comes and He lives on the inside of us. You're not just some ordinary being. You're a child of God. There's power inside of you. You say, well, that's power for me to talk and tell. No, there's power to be a witness. You know how you be a witness? You be a witness when you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You be a witness when you tell somebody, I'm going to pray for you right now, and your situation is going to change in your life. I'm telling you, you are a witness for Him in more ways than just with your words, but also with your words. He said He would put words in your mouth that you might speak. Don't be afraid of what you'd have to say when you stand before them. Just go ahead and let the Holy Ghost speak. Open your mouth and let God. They accused them of being ignorant and unlearned, but all of a sudden they were telling about the only saving name for mankind. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to think about it? You say, well, Pastor, I'm going to go pray about it. No, sometimes you just need to move. You just need to step forward. You just need to put all that aside. many suddenlies in the scripture for me to ignore that God moves on us to do something in a moment of time. I want us to come around this front today. I want us to recommit ourselves to just being obedient to Him and and commit to Him today. God, I'm going to be the kind of witness. I may not have been very good for the past part of my life, but here forward, for as long as I live, God, I'm going to give myself totally to you. I'm going to do whatever you say. In a moment's notice, God, I'm going to respond to the admonition of the Spirit. Let's pray together right now. It'd be good if you'd lay hands on somebody and pray with somebody.